millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Today is a very special Everything Iconic Christmas special. We have an amazing guest. We have Walter Afanasieff, who co-wrote with Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. He is here. We're going to be talking to him about the Christmas album. He not just wrote, he didn't just write All I Want for Christmas is You. He also co-wrote Miss You Most at Christmas Time. He co-wrote My All. He co-wrote Butterfly. He wrote, co-wrote Whenever You Call. Uh, he co-wrote Anytime You Need a Friend. He co-wrote Hero. He co-wrote One Sweet Day. One Sweet Fucking Day, you guys. Mariah Carey, Boys to Men, still holds a record, you guys. He literally wrote all these amazing songs. He won a Grammy for producing My Heart Will Go On by Celine fucking Dion. He literally has worked with everyone. Barbara Streisand, Tony Braxton, Jessica Simpson. Like, literally every wonderful singer that we think of, he has worked with. And he wrote some of the most iconic music with Mariah Carey. They had such an amazing partnership particularly that Christmas album. I think we all think of that song this time of year. It's currently number six on the Billboard Hot 100, which is the highest it's ever been. It's number six out of all the songs in the country, not just Christmas songs. We have him here. He's going to talk about that song. This is like a little bit more of an NPR interview, and this is my Christmas gift. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening to everything I kind of throughout the year. I have loved chatting with you guys. I'm so grateful. So we're going to get to Walter in a second. Before we do, I want to say, please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, there's an Everything Iconic Facebook group. If you want bonus episodes, we have Housewife recaps and all sorts of bonus stuff over on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash everything iconic, you can click the become a patron button. And for $4 or more per month, you get access to all of the bonus episodes. And that includes a lot of fun recaps that are over there. So we are going to be taking a little bit of a holiday break. I'll be back in the new year. This is the last, well, there is like one little bonus episode that'll be out next week, but this is otherwise the last new main episode for a while. So I will be back in the new year. I love you all so, so much. Uh, What else? I want to thank Samsung Technologies for sponsoring the show. If you want a last minute cameo Christmas gift, go to cameo.com slash Danny Pellegrino. I'm gross. You guys, all this self-promotion is making me feel ill. (laughs) Let's bring Walter out. Again, I he has written and produced some of the songs that I grew up with that I love so, so much. He also co-wrote Forever, which is a Mariah Carey song that I truly, my all-time favorite song out of any genre, any song. So he's really done the soundtrack to my life, and I'm so excited to chat with him. To chat with him. Oh, I'm already a little nervous. This is a little bit more of a serious interview. I'm going to play it unedited, uninterrupted, and this is just my Christmas gift to you. Merry Christmas. I love you guys. Okay, guys, I'm here with Walter Afanasieff. Did I say that correctly? You said it perfectly. I was practicing, like legit. (laughs) I am such a huge fan of yours. You are a brilliant mind, a genius. You've truly created songs that... I grew up with, like the soundtrack, I was telling your wife, like the soundtrack of our lives. And right now, I want to start this off by saying congratulations, you're 
song, All I Want for Christmas is You, just reached number six, the highest chart position on Billboard it's ever been. Correct. I'm the Hot 100. Oh my God, I'm like nervous. What am I nervous for? The highest chart position ever. And this is the Billboard Hot 100. So this is all songs across all every songs. genre. You guys are yeah. number six. You co-wrote that with Mariah. Yes. Do you still get excited by like the chart position stuff? You know, I, I actually do. And in, in every year, um, it's what I call, you know, just a miracle. Like to have uh, a comparison to something like All I Want for Christmas is You is to win the lottery. That's, you know, one in a trillion, you know, whatever the odds are. So whatever the odds were and are continuously to have a song do this well, and especially a Christmas song, is, uh, it's, it's a miracle, short of nothing but that. But every year it gets to be the number one Christmas song. And strangely enough, um, I never really knew this, and I actually don't know if it's kind of a record set by this song, but every year it gets into that top 100 billboard, and last year I think it was like number nine nine or something like that, and it shocked me because everyone's like, oh my god, you're in the top 10. This year, going to number six with a bullet, which is something that uh, my wife pointed out yesterday, because um, Billboard charts always come out on the on a Tuesday. Uh, and so last night, everybody starts, you know, chiming in on my uh, social media stuff, you know, going, congratulations, you have a number six top 100 song. And so it's crazy. Um, and I, I don't like sit around just monitoring it, of although course, it is nice to, you know, <laughs> I do. Uh, but it is nice. Um, and more so, it's 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 a little bit strange because here here's the tale. It's right. like everyone wants to have an interview uh, every time Christmas comes around. Um, I remember when it was the twentieth anniversary of All I Want for Christmas Is You. Um, everybody wanted an interview, and it's like every year because it's it does so well. People are always wanting to do interviews, and there's two types of interviews that I get. Number one is the music business type which is, you know, ASCAP or, you know, uh, songwriter universe or people who are interested in the writing of the song and the the musicality of it and how we came to write it and so forth and so on. And then the other half is like the other part, which is, you know, the CNNs and the the, the HBOs and all the people who are just really interested in something that has done so massively well. In the course of all of these years that I've done all of these and Believe me, there's uh, like hundreds. Twenty-four years since like, yeah. Out, yeah. Um, I say exactly the same. I mean, I, I can't. I don't. I don't lie, and I don't expand. I don't. You know, like your story uh, of how the song was created I has been a, the I, same. I, yeah. Right. I, I've I've follow a path in my life that it's like the Mark Twain thing that you know if 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 you if you don't lie, you never have to remember. It's right. like it's just right. it's exactly what happened. Um, and every year I find it to be very strange um, that we have this, uh, it's like the two tales of one thing. There's there's this Mariah side and there's this my side, which is fine. Also, you two are the only two credited writers on the song. Yeah, it's just the two of you. Yeah, uh, yeah. and we're, we're 50%, 50%. Okay. So in, in, 
in, so I find it a little bit bittersweet because in the in the course of such a wonderful event every year for so many years in a row, and especially this year, that you would be challenged. I, I'm challenged with my joy by having this to to defend this position that some people are um, confused or something because Mariah says a little bit of a different um, explanation of how she and I wrote the song. First of all, the way she explains that there's no I. It's just her who wrote the song when she was a child at a Casio keyboard. And I find it strange because why would I have 50% of a song? Right. You know, and, 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 I, 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 like, so, there's, there's these, there's these, like, two, it's like a, a, a tennis match every year, right. you know, like who's correct and who's telling the truth. And, and also, I mean, it, it, there was just a story today about you guys at war, which you're not at war. I no, mean, it was, was like, that was the headline of it. And it's like, <laughs> so there's this salaciousness too. People yeah. want to write a quick headline about it. And I think fans of, fans of hers but fans in general of the song it's like yeah. we crave information about this song because yeah. it's so, sure it's a perfect song and, and there's many songs mariah and i went uh, went through a great deal of wonderful musical creative years writing a bunch of songs that did very very well and, and okay well, walter you know. hold the fuck up you say very very well we're talking like the best songs of all time like one sweet day like the number sure. one 16 it's, it still holds the record with sure. despacito yeah. for most weeks yeah one. i like, mean don't these are like iconic songs right and 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 but you know here's the thing i mean having done um th- that many years of such wonderful music with mariah um, I have no. I'm just like I can't even imagine being at war with somebody. But right. I, I don't have a war You're with not anybody. At war with anyone. <laughs> I mean, if Mariah called me, I'd be like hi. Oh my, my wonderful Mariah. Oh my God, so great to hear from you. Because um, I was actually when I was doing research on you, you could see clips of you two working back in the day together on YouTube. There's clips of you, sure. you at the piano, and her. Yeah, you know, coming. Listen, up with we were melodies. we were we were really good. Friends. I mean, the 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 fact of the the relationship that was was uh, ours uh, was so unusual because, um, like I said, it's almost like winning the lottery. It's like at the very very first moment that we met, and the very first thing that we ever did was kind of always directed by, um, her ex husband Tommy Matola. So in in the planting of our like you know, musical creative union. He was the one who brain, you know, he was the brains behind this whole thing. Um, he gave me a song to do literally in one day. He said, "We need one more song for her first album," and we understand that you were so instrumental and creative during um, the making of some other songs that another producer that I was working for, Narda Michael Walden was the producer, but I, you know, I was doing so much work and so much keyboards and, and arranging and so forth and so on that Tommy, Mr. Matola, said, listen, you know, instead of me going back to one of those guys, why don't you do it? I only have a day. I have like 50 bucks and whatever. And just, oh my God. and so I went and did uh, Love Takes Time, which is Mariah's second number one. In literally a day, I flew to New York after a day of programming. We did her vocal and then the that same day we mixed it and it was on a second pressing of her 
first album. So when you went in for Love Takes Time, did they was there was any of that done already? Like were there lyrics or anything, or did you? And oh no, no, yeah, that was... the song was written. Uh, Mariah was writing with uh, Ben Margulies at that time. He okay. was uh, her writing partner. Um, and the thing about it, Mariah is one of those. Well, at least back then, she was a very like she doesn't write with everyone. She only writes with a select few. And at that time, she was really only writing with one person, which was Ben. And they had written most of the uh, first album. Um, the other people that Mariah was very, very close with is uh, CNC Music Factory. And, right. and, and when I came into the picture, there was this sort of like behind the, behind the scenes problem with Ben. Mariah and, and again, Tommy Matola. Uh, was very very adamant about having Mariah switch from him, Ben, to someone new, and it lo and behold, it was me who came in and filled that filled that uh, position. Uh, luckily, so we just started writing. I mean, we we wrote. We were great friends. I used to live at her house with her and Tommy and. What was Everywhere going on during that time at that house? Like we've heard stories, like different people have come out and said things. Like, do you remember any? Was there anything specific at that time that you remember? Was it as? Was it sort of like a lockdown situation where? No, no. Uh, I mean that's ridiculous. I mean, look at <laughs> when you're a huge celebrity and you're a huge executive celebrity, uh, you have you know a lot of uh, what we all know. It's like when you see anyone, I don't care who you see. From Beyonce to anyone these days, they have bodyguards. Lots of people. Lots of people. They're, they're, it's an entourage of security and bodyguards. I don't care if you're Justin Bieber or whoever. Mariah was no different. She was an incredibly huge star. And she lived in a very, very um, sort of opulent um, and very grandiose way. So her and her husband, Tommy, built this giant house. Um, up upstate New York, and the house was in in the middle of nowhere. Actually, it was you know out, on the outskirts of of I don't know I can't even remember what the nearest yeah, it was town was, its but its own town. You know, it, yeah, it was yeah. it was massive, but it was also very very easily um, you know somebody could break in or or get on the grounds or you know how people stalk. And yeah. Mariah does have a lot of stalkers and fans and crazy people, and it was a protective. A protection system. But when I was over there, you know, Tommy, all he wanted, all he ever, ever, ever wanted was to have the most creative, most, the most that we can come up with musically, uh, at least for her, is what he wanted. He never wanted, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine one single moment of our relationship was ever like controlled or, 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 uh, you know, he kept us away from, or her away from, you know, all that stuff. If they were in a personal, romantic husband and wife situation, n- none of us had any knowledge of that. So okay. if he, the husband, outside of the work area and the creative process, was something that she had a problem with, or vice versa, that was their deal. Nobody was, That was not uh, something you were aware of. No, yeah, we yeah. were just, we were always, you know, we were... I, I mean, we're always together. You know, there were so many years. I, first of all, I lived in San Francisco, uh, and I had a beautiful home with a recording studio. And Mariah lived in New York. So my, uh, when we ever worked or wrote together or did albums or whatever, it was a two-parter. 
The first part was, if we write, I go to New York. Um, we write in New York, and then I come back home to San Francisco, and I start doing music and tracks in my studio. Then when I'm ready for her vocals, I go back to New York, and we record all her vocals in, in New York. If there's anything else to do, well, if I can do it on my own, I do it at home. Most of the time, anything ha having to do with her writing or singing or doing that is always in New York. So I was always with her in New York. We would go out to dinner every night. We would always be, you know, the three of us or the two of us were, you know, dear friends. And and I really, really think part of this demise that occurred was, you know, her breaking up with Tommy. I had an exclusive um, contract. I couldn't leave Sony Music. I, I was, you know, uh, exclusive Sony employee at the right, time. So, so when she left, so you much, couldn't leave. No, yeah. so I, I couldn't work for anyone else on any other label without, you know... It, it, um, Breaking contract. What, what, yeah, what they, you know, when you read on an album, appears courtesy of, you know, whatever. So if Tommy would, were to let me go off and produce Mariah or write with Mariah for another label, but he, he wouldn't, that would be ridiculous. So their personal problems and the the end of their marriage and the you know the divorce and so forth and so on really really just came, like the skies got dark you know none of us you know were allowed to and couldn't you know go go off and work with her anymore and so this was around the time um, you worked with her on the Butterfly album. Correct. And then, also, there's a song on the Glitter soundtrack that you co-wrote, right? Lead the Correct. Way? Yeah. So was that something that you guys did together during the Butterfly era that was Yeah, saved, there was a few, there's, a, there's a few songs we've, we've, you know, there's songs we've written that... We'll never see the light of day. Can you send them to me? <laughs> <laughs> there's some really good ones. Um, I I, know, real quick, I, I'm going to jump in here. On the Christmas album, are there Christmas songs you guys recorded together? Like either original or covers that you did that have never seen the light of day? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not sure. There might be one. Uh, usually, there isn't that many because we really like write specific. Um, there are some songs that we started to write. There are some really beautiful ideas we never got to finish. The uh, when, when we parted ways, um, it was during the recording of the Butterfly album. And no one really knows it to hear it, but it's it's an unfinished album, right? Because I, I never got to finish. So when I was with you a couple of weeks ago, I was yeah. I was forcing all these questions on you, and you told me when you hear the Butterfly album, it sounds unfinished to yeah. you. So explain that. Why does it sound unfinished? Well, there's certain songs like My All, and you know, uh, even Butterfly. There's you know, there's a song, for instance, Whenever You Call, that ended up being a duet with Brian McKnight, and the reason it got into all these like duet modes and whatever, it's because it's not finished. I had plans, at least for that song, to put a beautiful orchestra on it. Um, there's, uh, like, for instance, drums and rhythm parts that I never got to finish for some of these songs. So when I'm, he when I'm hearing it, I'm going, oh, yeah, there's like an empty, there there's right. not a hit on this moment, like, you know, on a two or a four of the of the rhythm. There's supposed to be a snare, and there isn't. There's supposed to be this. I was going to redo that and add this. So it never got finished, but they had to release it somehow. And without me ever having a chance to ever finish what I started, um, Mariah and her crew, whatever engineer, uh, salvaged what they could and mixed it and 
Is there one that you would love to go back in there and just, or is whenever you call the one you I think my favorite, like, dream song that was in my mind and in my heart that would have been like one of those uh, I Will Always Love You kind of songs from Mariah was that one, Whenever You Call. I think, you know, my imagination was like, oh my God, this is going to be this giant orchestra playing and... And it was never meant, in my mind, at least, to do, to be a duet. It was always, you know, a single voice song for her. But yeah, there's it's still you know, such a beautiful song, though. It too. is I a mean, beautiful still, song, yeah. and but it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's frustrating for your yeah. ear to hear it. Yeah. You know, my all-time favorite song, like not across any genre, Christmas, whatever, is "Forever," which you co-wrote with her. Forever, I just yeah. every time I listen to that song, I feel like I can interpret it in a different way. Like it is very sad, like a sad breakup song, right? Is that that's how it was intended? Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, Mariah's feelings that come out in her lyrics are so, like, um, they resonate in most of us. You know, she writes a very, very heartfelt, simple, beautiful, wonderful lyric, uh, which is why I think All I Want for Christmas is You is so big. It's because it just hits every sort of like, you know, it's Feeling. not just, a, you know, like... It, Christmas music, for instance, is always either religious, you know, Noel or, you know, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and so forth. Or they're really silly kind of fun songs, you know, Rudolph and Frosty and Jingle Bell. Santa Claus coming to town. Yeah, all that stuff. Jingle Bell Rock. Um, And then there's this little, in the middle uh, part of the Christmas canon, which is these sort of, they came out of World War II songs, which is I'll Be Home for Christmas, you know. chestnuts roasting on a you know like a little more, more melancholy rom- romantic ones mm-hmm. and melancholy and have uh, a, a sincere place and for some reason all i want for christmas has um kind of none of those it it's just singularly stands out as mm-hmm. being this kind of you know it's not silly and it's not all romantic and miss you which by the way we wrote the other uh, two songs that we both wrote for the christmas album one is very romantic, Miss You Most of Christmas. I love that And one that is song. very, very kind of religious, Jesus Born on This Day. So so I think that's part of the thing, but... Um, you I'm, know, Miss You Most, Kelly Clarkson just tweeted a couple days ago. She said that's her favorite off that album. Oh, wow. And I actually, I love that. I think it's such a beautiful song. When you set out to make that, I mean, we always talk about All I Want for Christmas, but you co-wrote Miss You Most. And when you set out to make that, were you setting out to make something a little more melancholy? Yeah. yeah. No, um, you know, there's... There's kind of a, a you, we have to kind of rewind 20, 24, 25 years ago. Today's Christmas music, when artists like Kelly Clarkson or Justin Bieber or Michael Bublé or anybody in the last 10 years or so do a Christmas project, it's it's different than when we were in 1994, 1993. Artists, generally speaking, were doing Christmas albums at the end of their careers. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the, you know, the when you walked into a Tower Records or a Virgin Records, you know, the record stores, there's this like Christmas bin in the back. Everything's on sale because, you know, it's it's almost like that's what you do at the end of your career. So when we did uh, our Christmas album, Mariah's Christmas album, it was sort of in the beginning of her career. It was like so soon after she became very, very big and popular. And um, so to hit... Uh, a, a a pretty 
like we we didn't want to be we couldn't be commercial because that's not what Christmas music was. Right. You know, we're not trying to get on the radio. That's not what it is as as opposed to today. Yeah. Um. So we just set out to do a really great sounding, more like a Phil Spector feel mm-hmm. kind of thing. And when we sat down to write the three songs, uh, we said, yeah, let's write one like this. Let's write one like this and one like that. Fun, romantic, religious. You know, and you hit all of them. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a roll of the dice. You know, whenever Mariah and I write something, um, and writing is one thing, and then production is another thing. Because when you listen to the production of All I Want for Christmas Is You, it's kind of like um, it doesn't. It, there wasn't a, like a a popular sound at that time. It wasn't following some radio single format. It was just kind of we did it with no regard to oh we're trying to get on the radio or we're trying to have a huge hit song here you know it has nothing to do with being hip hop or or pop or anything it's more like a um it's kind of weird i can't even explain it it's a little bit rock and roll it's got these you know the rock piano but it's also very orchestral and, and it's at got the beginning the, it's got that um little, little the little bell what's that shoe, not shoebox but the ballerina or uh, yeah it's got the little glockenspiel right right yeah it's it's the little thing and by the way this is just all i say ballerina (laughs) yeah the ballerina (laughs) no but it's like you know when i when when we we wrote these songs and i went like i said earlier we i go back home to san francisco in my studio and i started to just plot out the song and and then i start start thinking in my own producer way and arranger way what would be cool here is that the very first verse is not going to be in beat or in tempo. It's going to be really slow. So I had to come up with my own rhythm of it, my own timing of it, thinking what how Mariah is going to sing. And I wasn't even sure if she was even going to like it. So, right. but lo and behold, I programmed everything. And by the way, it's it's all programmed. There's the piano part, not everything. Not a real instrument. There's not a real instrument on the on this on the on the song, and it's all computerized and. Uh, I did all the music, and then Mariah and her singers, you know, we did the vocals. And so it was like a hit or miss. I don't know if they were going to like it. I don't know what it was. It it felt right, but it didn't follow in any kind of, you know, radio format or top 40 format. And I think that's part, another reason why it's so big, because it, it, it didn't sound like something. It's timeless. It's kind of like a mixture of a lot of different things. You know? What do you feel when you hear it? Because it's played every minute. Now on the radio and the grocery store everywhere you hear do you do you just feel like oh there's another paycheck <laughs> I'm getting some money for that <laughs> well first and foremost um, you know the internet and and the inform information that's given to you on the internet like you know like if you go on the internet and see my net worth it's completely it's bogus lies. I'm yeah. not worth anywhere near that much money and there's you know articles on how much money has this song actually made and. I'm it's not a, kidding you. I've Googled that at least once a year. Like yeah. every holiday season comes by and I'm like, how much are they making up yeah. all I want for Christmas? Yeah. Year? And and the thing is, is that it's not just how much we're making as writers. You know, there's also a little bit, there's three parts. There's the songwriter part, the com- the composer and the writer part. Then there's the um, producer part, which is a, a, a lot less. But then there's the Mariah artist part. So okay. when Mariah uh, is... It's you know when people start talking about how much money the songs made her, you know she says it's made her like a hundred million dollars or something like that. Well, 
I would probably say that most of it is from touring and performing and, you know, as an artist, I don't get paid that. Right. Um, and then you have to take into consideration all the, all the, the free downloads, you know, all this. I mean, this back in the day. Yeah. I mean, when Mariah Carey sold music box, for instance, it was 25 also million wrote music box. Sure. But, um, <laughs> You know, there was a lot the more money so in those things. Long, Walter, like I, I printed out the songs. We're going to run through them and stuff. But your list is incredibly long. It's oh, amazing. Oh, um, but so when you hear the song, do you have a memory of recording it? Is that what comes to mind first? Like when you first hear that in the I grocery store? No, I, you know, I, my, my coolest moment was I was doing, um, I was a judge on a Russian TV show. And I was in Moscow for a few months. And part of my stay in Moscow was over the uh, December, Christmas time, November, December, January. Um, and there w- was where I would hear the song so much. I would be in a Starbucks or in a restaurant and, or in a shopping mall walking around in Moscow. And that song was constant, constantly being played. And it was at that time, it was like maybe four or five years ago, that I really said, man, this is, this is a serious song everywhere in the world, you know? In the UK, it become became number one. This country became number one, and it was at that time I realized um, how big of a song we had. And then, when David Foster was recording Michael Bublé's Christmas album a few years ago, um, I happened to stop by to to visit because they're they're my friends, and um. David was doing, they did all they did I want for Christmas, Christmas right. but they did it as a ballad. Anyway, I was over there and, um, and I said to David, or David said to me, you know, you're so lucky, Walter, because you literally, you and Mariah wrote the very last original right. Christmas song that came, that went into the Christmas canon and no one will ever have a shot at it. And in fact, David said, you know, he'll never ever uh, take an original Christmas song on any other Christmas albums oh, wow. ever again. And I go, wow, it's kind of sad, but I mean, it was great but to hear that, but it was also sad because he's, all, he's like make, making a proclamation that nobody can do it. Can do it. And I've, I challenge everyone to do it. I, Is there one that's come out since that you, because I listen to Kelly Clarkson's holiday album. Yeah. I love a lot of the originals on there. Yeah. Is there something like one of those, or is there another song yeah. that comes to mind that you're like, that's an original that you really like, not necessarily is going to be as huge as yours, but. Uh, well, here's the thing. I mean, Im- imitation and, you know, uh, is is the greatest form of flat, the flattery, flattery. whatever this, okay. the saying is. So like Kelly Clarkson's Christmas tree song right now. And I hear a few songs that are kind of trying to be. Right. They're trying, that, to the they're trying to be the. They're trying to be all I want right. for Christmas. They've got that little rock beat and the piano, the rock piano and stuff. I don't think that's the kind of song that will ever take the place of all I want. I think somebody has to write something completely different, and then that different sounding song, not to compete with all I want, is what would become, you know, right. a Christmas standard. So. You know, something's just coming to mind, and you might not have any information about this, but I have to ask, because I've wondered it for years, on the Grinch soundtrack, like, remember the Jim Carrey Grinch? Sure. Where Are You Christmas? Mariah is listed as a co-writer on that, and there were, like, rumors that she recorded it, but do you have any idea about anything with that song? Because it's a Faith Hill song. Um, I don't know if you know anything, but I've always wondered, like, did she even record it, or or I don't know. Jeez, you know, um, I don't know anything about that, except that Faith Hill... 
did that song. I just I don't even know it. who wrote that. What is it? Who She's wrote listed that? as a co-writer on oh, that. Oh wow! And uh, there's rumors that she recorded it, and then there was like problems with the label and whatever. Oh, I have, um, yeah. But I, I always wondered that. Um, okay, so when you hear "All I Want for Christmas," do you hear any flaws in it? Like you said, you hear flaws when you hear some other songs. Is there anything you wish you could go back and change? On "All I Want for Christmas," there's absolutely nothing that I hear. No flaws. It's an. It's it, to me. It's a very stand out kind of a cool thing. So, some people, you know, who aren't musicians and professionals, they wonder, you know, is is that a drummer playing or is that a, you know, here's the hardest thing about having that Christmas song in my life, uh, as, as, as wonderful as it is, people ask me to play it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of am very afraid to play it because if, it, if I can play it in the tempo that it's in, it's impossible. Because it's such a fast thing mm. that I did on the computer, that the computer's playing the piano, fine and dandy. But me personally, I don't have the muscle in my arm, right. so I'll always do it slower, and I'll always kind of do it a little bit different. And I'm always nervous I'm going to make a mistake because it's such a people love it know. so much. But yeah, but um, is there someone that does it that you like, like a cover that you really like? I didn't care for Michael Bublé's. It's slow, <laughs> but uh, a lot of people love it. Yeah, you know, I mean, t- to yeah. be honest, I mean, I, I tried doing re recording it. You know, I think I did a Adina Menzel version or, or something because you did her Christmas album yeah, a few years ago. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a favorite except for the Mariah Carey version is my favorite. It's it's like I said, it's the all time original and it's the standout, and people can do it uh, as much as they want, but just don't do it exactly like we do it. That's the thing. You know, if you're gonna do like karaoke. You're not you're not going to really get far in a career if you're going to do covers. Do them originally, like do something different that's totally your own. Michael Bublé did it. Um, Some people do it, but you know, I guess you know, like I would hear that song being more like a Brian Setzer, you know, that sort of Stray Cats kind of thing. Big Big Band that would be a great version to me. Yeah, you know. because it's got the elements of of just kind of old rock, blues, all that stuff. So, I, you know, if you're going to do it, I'd love to hear that way. But. I want to switch gears for a minute. Uh, you, one of the first big songs you worked on was with Whitney Houston, right? It was "I Want to Dance with Somebody." Is that correct? Correct. Um, I didn't. I mean, come on, Walter. I wasn't, <laughs> a, a, but I wasn't a producer at that time. I was, I was merely a an arranger, keyboardist for the producer, which I mentioned earlier, Narda Michael Walden. And Whitney uh, would come around and we would do these kind of cool songs for a brand new artist again that became humong- humongo. Humongous. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's what a, was it like in the studio? Were you in the studio? Like, could you hear her doing those takes? Like, what was... Yeah, there's a few few uh, f- uh, f- great memories. I mean, the, you know, Whitney... Um, I think the first time Whitney came to our, our studio was like, I think she was like 18, 19 years old or something. Oh God. And it was this new artist. And, you know, back back then, it was such a different time back then. When you're a producer back then, like Narda or, you know, a Babyface or me or a David Foster, all of us had these, you know, um, it was like the canvas was much bigger and wider and we could paint and do a lot more to a brand new artist than today. Today is just such a tiny little hole to 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 get through. 
because of all the uh, the demands of you know pop radio and commercial music and uh, radio stations that are still you know uh, calling the shots. Um, and you in the '90s, there were all these big voices too. I mean, oh, talking yeah. about Whitney, Mariah, Celine. You worked with sure. Barbara. I mean, like yeah. these divas. Yeah, voices. it was it was it was it was an amazing time because you know Christina Aguilera, Whitney Houston, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey. You worked with Jessica Simpson. You know Jessica. Simpson. <laughs> not not the ask big you boys, about that voice. or even Beyonce at that time. You know, I I did a few songs with uh, Destiny's Child, but. Who's the, like out of those women, those people you mentioned, who is the best vocalist? Jessica Simpson, right? Is that who you'd say? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard her version of "Little Drummer Boy"? Because it's an assault on the ears. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I, Jessica. Um, th- the experience of every artist that I've come across and work with um, is is something very meaningful and very special. Uh, Jessica, in her own right, in her own way, I did a song with Jessica Simpson that is so in my like my personal one of my top five personal favorite songs that I've ever what's ri- wrote or produced. Um, it's a song called "When You Told Me You Loved Me." It's that, from her Irresistible album, right? Yeah, think, yeah, it's just such an incredible song. And it never saw the light of day because it wasn't a single or anything like that. But it's kind of like another song I did on a Celine Dion album that that I wrote called um, "If You Could See Me Now." Mm-hmm. There's a song that she did that's it, again never saw the light of day. It was one, but as a song, as a songwriter, and as to me, it's just one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, Jessica, uh, you what know, about- I love her. You mentioned Christina, and I think you told me when we were talking. Did you love her voice, right, Christina, Christina Aguilera? Yeah. Oh, I think she's, she's probably great. like one of the greatest singers of all time. Right. Yeah. Now, what what makes you say that? Like, is it just is she able to just does she have her own um, style, or what do you yeah. think about? So, when you listen to a great singer, and you um, kind of go, "Why do I love the singer? Or why is this singer so uh, so amazing?" Part of the amazingness of a singer like Mariah, or Christina, or Beyonce, um, or Whitney is that they can do um, a lot of runs and a lot of um, things that other singers can't do. Um, there's a singer, for instance, Kim Burrell, who's in the gospel world, probably the greatest gospel female singer of all time. Aretha Franklin, you know. So when you take the greatest ability of vocal runs and stuff that you might only have heard in church or in you know in that world and you start kind of putting them into the pop music formats that's why these women became so crazy noticed uh it's because they took took these runs and these incredible abilities of theirs and put them into everyday pop music um Beyonce is an amazing singer Christina Aguilera, amazing singer. Um, then you go and pick and choose the songs these amazing singers sing. So usually it's a record label that picks them, uh, in probably hand-in-hand with the artists themselves. Um, nowadays, I've seen more or less the, the labels, and you know, there's the producer of the label who is more in charge of picking a song for an artist than the artists themselves. I, I guarantee you, there's there's so many stories 
of a brand new singer on a on a label. There's, for instance, a story about one of my favorite singers who was destined, in my opinion, to win American Idol. Uh, I don't know, can't remember what season it was, but her name is Pia Toscana. Oh, right. And Pia was so just style stylistically and so poison ready to. I mean, she captured everyone's heart, and she was gonna win because she was right. like our next Celine Dion, she our had next a big you know, voice, big mm-hmm. voice, beautiful, beautiful too. incredible, and gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And what happened was is that for some reason she got voted off mm-hmm. um, when she was like n- number nine, like in the top ten, nine. Yeah. And immediately we all knew why it was kind of orchestrated uh, by the label Interscope, and you know Jimmy Iovine at the time was uh, very very connected to American Idol. And so the next thing we all knew, as far as the songwriters and the producers in the industry. Now they're putting out the call for songs to be written for Pia Toscana's album. And what happened is, is that they chose, you know, the flavor of the month songs mm. versus what she was just doing to win everyone's votes on American Idol. It was opposite to what she was supposed to do. Right. And so they chose a bunch of silly, you know, up-tempo, hip hop kind of very auto-tuned songs, and they couldn't even release it. You know, it was... Yeah. It was it was so sad because she she was supposed to have a humongous career and she never got to. Back in those days, though, in the '90s, when we were all doing what we're we're all now interviewed for, and you know, it's kind of a, like a cool thing. We had so much more freedom and so much more. Of, you know, everyone. Yeah, you could be uh, Whitney singing "I Will Always Love You," and then one sweet day, Mariah comes out, and then you know. It, Celine Dion's, you know, My Heart Will Go On comes she out. She won and a then, Grammy for and produced. Sure, but <laughs> it's like the freedom of, you know, the freedom of doing just beautiful, great work and not fearing some radio station or record record company executive kind of, you yeah. know. But I was going to ask you, who do you think deserved a bigger career? Like you mentioned Pia Toscano. I always think of Leona, Leona Lewis. She has such a great voice and she's had a couple of hits and stuff. But sure. I always thought like I, I never quite understood her or Nicole Scherzinger. Yeah. I, I thought like it seemed they seemingly have it all. It's like, yeah. is it, I mean, it must just be song choice, not getting it right. There's a great deal of it being song choice. A great deal of it. It's kind of like all of us who are... are, are uh, kind of in the last 20 years or so, America has been, you know, uh, watching these TV co- competition shows from American Idol to, you know, The Voice X-Factor, and the X Voice. Factor and, you know, America's Got Talent. So we all kind of have been taught the, the, the system. And the system always teaches us, the audience, you got to be really careful in what song you choose, because ch- choosing the wrong song are, is going to get you voted off. It's the same in real life record uh, recording careers. Uh, if you pick the wrong songs, you know, yeah. and they hit, they miss, uh, you get dropped, and you know, and you're done. And you're done. What's interesting about Mariah is that she writes all of her own music, right. or you know, with you and right. other writer yeah. producers, and so. Even songs, she would do songs that were out of genre or or different genre. Even like My All, which you co-wrote sure. with her. It's like, that's got a, like a Latin flavor to sure. it and stuff. It doesn't sound exactly like a lot of her other yeah. stuff. Yeah. But she was able to make it a Mariah version of yeah. I'll, I'll tell I'll tell genre. you I'll tell you a small little story of how what we're talking about and how important it is. And what, what happened is um, there was a film uh, in the 90s that was made called Hero. 
with Andy Garcia, I think, or whatever. And uh, Columbia or Sony Records, uh, uh, Sony Music came to me and said, um, would you write a song for the end title of this film? And the film was Hero. And I said, oh, great. Yeah, that's good. We want, you know, Gloria Estefan to sing it. So I went and met with Gloria, and it was all, great, let's do it. We're going to write a song. And on one of my New York-bound writing trips with Mariah, to go to write with Mariah, um, I was in the studio with her, and um, I said, hey, do you want to write a song for a movie with me? It's not for you. It's just for, you know, it's for Gloria Estefan. And she goes, yeah, tell me about it. So we were just fooling around at the piano. And she goes, yeah, let's write it. So we started writing Hero. So I start playing ba-ba-ba-ba-da-da-da-da. And she starts singing. And we're all like in the middle of this beautiful writing of Hero. And her husband, Tommy, walked in. Um, And, you know, when we're writing, we're recording. And in the control room is through the speakers, you could hear what we're doing. I'm at the piano. She's singing. And he apparently was in the control room listening to us. And he came out and he said, "What do you, what is that?" And and I go, "Well, that's that's we're writing that song, Hero, for the movie, right? The Gloria Estefan like, song." He goes, "No, I'm sorry, but you need to record the song." Yeah. And Mariah said, "No, no, 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 I wasn't writing it for me." So when Mariah is writing not for her at that moment, she's writing a different way, like it it it's something that didn't have you know a rule or a regulation or trying to be a you know a on the charts or a single somehow or her flavor of the month brain or mm. whatever. It was just free writing. It was just, mm-hmm. just, you know, and he goes, no, I'm telling you, if you record this song, it's going to be one of your biggest songs. And I was like, all, damn, you know, I wanted Gloria Estefan. Oh, to, yeah. you know, I wanted, I wanted it in the movie, you know, and especially Mariah who doesn't want to do it. And, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, like, shit, oh, this, this song is going to go flop. fall through the cracks now. Nobody's going to hear it ever. And, you know, what a waste. So, but we did do it. And I, again, you know, with with how I used to do everything on the computer and I made the track and I built it all out and we came to New York and we were recording the vocals and, you know, and it was kind of like, um, uh, in I, I would say right now, it's one of Mariah's more, most famous songs and she's one still of her doing most, it on tour. Yeah, Mm-hmm. most important songs and but i think in her in in her maybe in her memories to bring her back to the remember mariah when you didn't want to do it and you kind of mm. you know so the songwriter that's mariah versus the artist that's mariah sometimes there's a you know a conflict uh you know it's so. interesting i think a lot of people just think of her as a voice but these are she's also a, a lyricist and a writer so i think she's she's a profound songwriter she's look at if you can count how many songs celine dion has written for her career right i, I don't know one a couple so. yeah one or, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know there's one a christmas song <laughs> that I, I hate that i know that she wrote but it's like don't save it yeah. all or something i don't know <laughs> doesn't matter uh, same thing with Christina Aguilera. She didn't write. Uh, same thing with you know Whitney Houston. Didn't write anything. Um, there are there are singers who just don't write. That's not their thing. They sing and they're artists and they have incredibly huge careers. Mariah, as as being a songwriter, artist is you know very unusual and historically and just she's that much more of the legend that. God, man, she wrote all those songs. You know, Carol King used to write all her songs. Great. You know, Freddie Mercury wrote all his songs. Yeah, of course. You know, 
I don't care who you are, the Beatles or, you know, but she's one of the, you know, Elvis Presley didn't write his right. own songs. You so, know? so when you see a headline that says something like, you're at war at Mariah, you have a, a very clear reverence to her talent and her abilities and stuff. So, Oh my God, I, I, I literally kiss the ground she walks on. I, Me too. My <laughs> life um, is, is such a special life because of Mariah. I don't have anything c- close to the Mariah Carey uh, in my life. I don't care who I've worked with. Yeah, I've won Grammys and blah, 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 and this and that. But the catalog of music she and I um, did together and her being the artist that she is today, is it's, it's insane to be a part of that. Unparalleled, yeah. Unparalleled and like the luckiest guy in the world to be able to have this song, All Over for Christmas, alone is is enough. It's enough for a hundred lifetimes. Right. But you also have my all. You have forever. You have we've literally. A, I mean, yeah, uh, we've got a lot you need of a stuff. friend. Yeah. I, uh, I went. In, but a lot of the lambs, which are Mariah, what Mariah fans call themselves, I'm a lamb. Um, yeah. What we think, or people have heard stories, and they think it's because of Tommy that you and Mariah sort of broke off the working relationship. Is that true? Or is there? Any there's, you know, to there's that? there's a little bit of there, there's there's two parts to that. In, I don't know what the truth is. From somebody, your memory, yeah. somebody, somebody the other day was going. You know what you guys should do? You and Mariah should go on Doctor Phil, and just have a show where you just, you know, that would be like a, an event. You know, right. um, why are we not talking? Why are we not working? Every single day of my life, um, I have you know Facebook followers and Instagram and this and that and the other. Everybody would love to to see us work again. There's no reason we're not working. There's no reason why 20 years have gone by. And can you imagine the the music we could have written in the last 20 years? What what songs don't exist that could have been you know in existence? For what? For why? What's what's the reason? You hear of all these breakups in the music business, you know? There's a lot of uh, you know, partners uh, in something that have, a, for instance, a financial falling out, or you know, Mariah and I split up because she she and I had a big fight because she thinks I wrote uh, less of the song and I took nothing like that. There's that. zero. It's just completely zero. And in my heart, the only thing I can figure out is that Mariah was uh, very, very, um, like sincerely hurt that. I didn't go like quit Sony and Tommy and quit your you know, contract. That like, you, yeah, yeah. And just didn't go off with her. Number one. And number two, probably because at that time I was dating a girl in New York, a singer. Um, and I think there was some kind of a, a little competition or, yeah, it, it was, it was a, a singer that never ever became a singer. It's, it was just a very, very, very brief sort of uh, New York girl uh, who started hanging out with all the big guys, all the, you know, the producers and the writers and wanted to have a career and was kind of in competition and wanted to be a Mariah Carey. And Mariah, you know, was like, she wanted nothing to do with her. And it was like, it, it it's, I know Mariah and Whitney Houston, for instance, had a little thing, you know, and they finally resolved their little thing by singing together on, on the, Egypt. Uh, yeah, the Prince of Egypt song. Um, but this was kind of a weird thing because apparently I was dating her during the time we were making the album 
butterfly. And I was single. I'd just gotten through a horrible divorce. And I had an apartment in New York. And um, so I was spending a lot more time in New York because we were doing this big Mariah album. And instead of me doing all the music at home, I really didn't have a home then because my my ex-wife and I split up. So I was in New York. So I started dating this girl. And the 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 facts are that I wasn't one of those producers or songwriters that wanted anything to do with her. I didn't want anything to do with her. I just wanted to date her. Who cares? Yeah, that, yeah that's new. You know? Yeah. So, but apparently there was a mutual friend of Mariah's and hers that told something to Mariah that I was, I don't know, playing Mariah's, you know, dailies or takes from the Butterfly album to her, and that she was... She and I were working together simultaneously to me working with Mariah, which is completely not true. None of it was true. And so there was this time where both things were happening all at once. Right. You know, her incredibly miserable uh, place with her husband. They were going through a hard time getting a divorce, so forth and so on. And then now, and Butterfly, mind, mind you, was a a testament to her misery as far as being married. She wanted to be set free, you know, the butterfly. That was the whole uh, premise of the a- album. Um, so she was in a bad place, and I'm sure that, you know, it didn't help her in her mind thinking that I was, um, you know... Playing other music or... Yeah, or, 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 or like or I was... Working you know, with someone else. Yeah, like, right. you know, betraying her. Right. And I never would have betrayed, never did betray Mariah. And do you... Do, have you talked to her since that time? I talked to her once in the last 20 years. Once. Would you be able to tell that story? You don't have to. Oh, no. I mean, it was just a brief conversation. She and I, she called me um, a couple, few years ago regarding um, her Christmas book. All I Want for Christmas is You, the book. Right. It's a, ch- she and, made a yeah, children's book. It was just book. something about some, um, uh, something to do with permission or acknowledgement, I don't know, credit or something like that. Right. It was a, it was, it was a very, very, like, almost, I, fell when I thought it was a prank call. I was up in Seattle and my phone rings and I see a 310 number and hello and hi, uh, can you please hold for Mariah Carey? And I went, get out of here. You know, this is a joke. And I go, what? Who is this? She's like, this is Mariah's assistant. I go, seriously? Yes. Can, w- would you talk to her? And I said, if it's really her, I'll talk to her. And then I I hear her voice, and it was just you know brought me to tears. So okay, guys, we need to take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, uh, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. But Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to 
re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80%, less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. All right. I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listing, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. I want to talk about some of the other songs you worked on. You mentioned you worked with Beyonce. You did a Destiny's Child song, Brown Eyes. Yeah, I did a song with Destiny's Child, Brown Eyes. But then there was another song uh, called, um, oh, shoot. I can't even remember what it was called. Beyonce and I wrote. She's amazing, though, right? Like. Beyonce. Oh my God. She's spectacular. Incredibly gifted beyond everything that she ever got in life, she deserves. Yeah. I mean, truly. You also did the Animal Song, which is from one of my favorite movies, The Other Sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Savage Garden. Yeah. yeah. I remember that song. Well. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Uh, you mentioned Butterfly, Can't Let Go, Close My Eyes. A lot of Mariah fans, that's one of their favorites, uh-huh. one of our favorites, Close sure. My Eyes. Well, like, what was that in the studio? Like, you're making something like that. Did you. Do you feel like, oh, this is a great fucking song? 
Or you know, I, you know, some of the know. songs that we did, um, which again, in a time and place that we had no, um, none of the silly rules and regulations, and you know, the cheeseburger rules that we all have to sound the same. Like, f- for instance, today, if I go out to write a song, and a record company or a and R guy or whatever, that doesn't matter for who, it has to be in that four chord. You know, everyone does the same exact formulaic oh, writing song. And it's so uninteresting, uninspiring to somebody like me. That's why I'm not doing anywhere near it. Like my thing right now would be to go score films because it challenges me, whatever. Back in the 90s, uh, in the early 2000s, you know, we didn't have that stuff. We wrote, you know, uh, whatever we wanted. And if it sounded great, it was like, oh my God. This, like anytime you need a friend, to me was one of the most like rewarding things to to be able to when that chorus hits it's just right. wow yeah you mind know blowing. it's just great um as i was doing research i also noticed that you wrote tell him with barbara streisand and celine dion sure. i mean talk about an iconic pairing of two yeah. legends yeah. and so i click on the video and you're just in the video it's yeah. like you it's and crazy. Uh, david foster, david foster linda yeah. thompson yeah the three of the three of you wrote it, right? The three of us wrote it, and David and I produced it, and it was uh, a very, very, um, gosh, it was one of those things where, again, pinch myself. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here, and very lucky. Like, um, literally every gay man's dream was to be you at that piano. like just the- <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of... Um, Stories. I mean, there's a lot of events that came out of that one song and the, the making of the video. And you know, I'm so curious about yeah. the Linda Thompson of it all because she's not a songwriter, right? Was she a song? Oh no! I mean, look at you know we have we have a, a way of uh, finding someone who has talent. You know, just because they didn't walk through the door as a songwriter, uh, you know, they they show up and during a relationship. There's a lot of people like that. For instance, Carol Bear Sager was married to Burt Bacharach at one time, you know, and, and she started writing songs with him. And Linda Thompson started writing songs with David Foster. I can go home right now and write songs with my wife, Katie. Yeah. But she's not a known songwriter, but she's probably perfectly capable. But that's what happens along the way. And so Linda became, you know, from being a hee-haw girl, <laughs> Elvis Presley's girlfriend. Right. Uh, she yeah. was, uh, she became a, a, a very... You know what a life she's had. Yeah, I mean, crazy. Um, You also worked with Vanessa Hudgens, Leona Lewis, Paul Anka. My parents like are obsessed (laughs) with Paul Anka. Um, Celine Dion. My heart will go on. Do you have any memory of that? Like uh, any particular memory of that song? Oh well, yeah. I mean, you know, my my heart will go on is biggest fucking song of all time. Yeah, it's a huge song. Um, It it became again. um, It became the big song. After the fact, you know, it, like none of us ever thought that that song would even see the light of day. It was at that time when you when we were doing "My Heart Will Go On." It was like, Ooh. what do you mean you don't? Because it was too schmaltzy. You thought it was like slow and yeah, very very you know mana. You know, like na, 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 na. You know, like it wasn't you know, and it it needed this giant Celine movie to oh yeah you yeah. know to to do justice to the song i didn't think it was a really good song at all i mean um 
James oh my Horner god, that's so and, funny that you don't think it's a, that great of a song, but it's became no, this huge thing. No, and, and you're right because the movie was so incredibly yeah. huge, probably. And and, and by the way, to, so for somebody like me who didn't write the song, I'm just the producer now and the arranger. I had to make it so satisfying to me, so that's why I took and and produced it and arranged it so big and you know orchestra and rock guitars and giant drums and because it was a kind of a shitty song, shitty song yeah. it's like you know it was given to me here's a piano vocal demo is there anything else that you worked on that became a huge hit that you thought is shit there's got to be some other ones or you'll i mean you could probably still hear it today and you're like oh that's not good i mean to be brutally honest i didn't think all i want for christmas is you right. yeah was yeah. anything to write home about yeah i mean seriously it was such a quick little boom 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 boom, boom, boom you know oh, and gosh. it was just like yeah i never thought we'd be sitting here right now so Okay, so do you have a favorite song of all your songs? Like, everything that you've done, is there one that you love the most? Well, I mean, to, to, to be satisfied with, with uh, one's own work, you know? I mean, we all challenge ourselves to... There's, there's, there's people who never want to watch their own movies, for instance, yeah. you know, once they're done filming. There's, I don't know, a, a single writer who write, reads their own book that they wrote, you know? And there are those people who, you know, they they do something and then they go go on to do something else. Um, I'm very proud of every single thing I've ever done. I'm I'm really really like blessed, lucky. Yeah. Um, there's probably as a spiritual and a something that has helped people and has really I've seen like people who wanted to commit suicide didn't and. They didn't partly because of a song that I co-wrote and did, One Sweet Day, for instance. Yeah. You know, um, I was in a little bar upstate New York with my wife a couple of Christmases ago, and um, it was just this shitty dive bar, like in Elmira. And we were in there, it was like four or five of us, it was late at night, and this lady, this woman bartender, um, I think there was a jukebox, and Katie... My wife gets up, you know, she starts playing songs. And one of the songs that she played was One Sweet Day. And it started playing. And this bartender lady started to, you know, freak out or, or cry or something. I can't remember. And somehow Katie started talking to her. And it turns out that Katie goes, yeah, my, my uh, fiance wrote, co-wrote the song. And she literally, like, said, this song saved my life. This yeah. is, I'm, not, I'm here because of the song. There's other many many letters and so forth and so on. So I think that in 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 that kind of a place, one sweet day or hero, because that helped people more than any other art form. I feel like music has that ability because you know you can watch a movie and it can make you feel better or something. But a song, I mean, there's been times in my life where I've sat with a song and listened to it over and over again to get me through something. Or I, I don't know, it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely, also, but it can, but it also works against you too. Right, yeah, I can make you, you know, put you in a bad place. Jeez, you know. Um, I always say All I Want for Christmas is You is the type of song that I think it works almost better when you play it like in the summer months or something. <laughs> because everyone that, loves yeah. it so much. Yeah. It's like if you hear it in July, like people get on their feet and they like have the best time. Like It's true. You know, um, although, you know, I don't know who would be daring enough to play a Christmas song during July? I do it. I, you do do it. It. I literally, I usually have a Christmas in July party. <laughs> also, my brother's wedding, he got married in September. I yeah, had the DJ play me, yeah. it. Like, I will literally. 
Like I remember being in my car and somebody was in the next car with their window down and they were playing a Christmas song. It wasn't it wasn't that song, but it was just a Christmas song. And I go, What an like, what, what an awkward, what an idiot, you know? <laughs> That's me. Like, it, was, it was probably me. No, but, uh, but, you know, but listen, if you want to listen to anything, you can listen to whatever you want at whatever time you want. So now, next year's the 25th anniversary. Like, would you, in your uh, uh, hope of hopes or whatever, in a perfect world, would you guys get together and would you like to do like a re-release or is there any plans for the studio to do something next year? Well, I know for a fact, um, I think I heard, I'm not sure, but you know, because we're at the 24th anniversary of this year, Christmas. Um, but people are holding back from doing the big interview, for instance. They'll go, well, we'd rather do it next year because it's the 25-year anniversary interview. And uh, can we come to see you and film? And um, they're, Obviously, the first question out of anyone's mouth at any time regarding this song is, uh, can you and Mariah both do it together? Right. I. Wish we could. Right. I wish at every single point in time uh, there were, uh, you know, 24 years of us not being together. But, hey, maybe next amazing. year, maybe, maybe Dr. F- Dr. Dr. Phil, Phil will invite us. You know? uh, my dream of dreams is that you guys release like another song. Like there's like a special edition of the album and we get one of those hidden songs. And if yeah. not, I'm going to like bug you to get me one of those. <laughs> if there's any other recordings from that holiday album. You know, I won't I'm not share sure, it. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, if it's from the holiday album. I know that there's a lot of, uh, we used to put everything on DAT, DAT tapes, D-A-T tapes. And I know for, like I have a bunch of, it just says M-C-W-A DAT tapes of us writing a bunch of songs that never, I remember there was one song um, we wrote. It was my favorite song on, I think the Music Box album. And it's called Don't Fade Away, but it's not on, the uh, American release, not on the U.S. edition. And it was my favorite song, and it was song number 11. And the U.S. version of that album only has 10 songs on it, because at that time, you know, the marketing people and the record label all said, well, this, you know, you can't have 11 songs, you have to have 10 songs. Oh, my God. So they, they cut that song, which was my favorite song, and I remember, I, geez, I was so hurt. Yeah. You know? But then it ended up on the People European release. Have you heard on her new album, Caution, there's a song called Runway that's a Japanese bonus track, and it samples Butterfly, which you wrote with her. Did you know that? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she samples Butterfly. It's only on the Japanese release, but you can listen to it, of course. Does she credit? Do, do I get credit? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, but it's maybe, like a very... You should, should be getting royalties. <laughs> call my lawyer on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's all, I don't know why. Also, it's like such a good song. Like, it's a beautiful, uplifting... I would love to hear your thoughts on it, too. It's like an uplifting uh, song. It doesn't sound like anything else off Caution, her new album, but it does sound like an older thing, and it samples Butterfly. And uh, I, a lot of the lambs say, like, oh, it should have been... Why wasn't it released on the U.S. version? You know, it might be interesting to go go listen to it, but, you know... And, you know, um, here we are, uh, again, uh, uh, doing an interview... Most of it about Mariah, who's the most important artist in my career. And I just wish this Christmas that people who are on whatever side of the fence, I, I literally, you know, I just wish 
everyone knows, you know. Well, and it's so clear talking to you of how much reverence you have for her as an artist and as a human being, as a person. And I, I think do. it's just people want a salacious yeah. headline. But if there's one yeah. thing that hopefully I yeah. hope listeners will yeah. learn is that it's not just it's not black and white. There's yeah, a lot and of gray. you know, I heard like I saw something uh, that called me bitter, a bitter. No, you're like, not bitter, bitter man. I, you know, I think that when you take a lot of years and a couple of decades of wishing something would have happened that didn't happen, you know, if only this, you know, like, yeah, if just me saying that, yeah, you could sound bitter, like, oh, you know, you're pining over something that doesn't exist, and who cares? But, um, yeah, I mean, what could have, should have, I don't know, whatever. But I'm just letting everyone know, at least in this microphone at this moment in time, I'm not bitter. I'm blessed. I have nothing but pure love and gratitude for to Mariah Carey. So, Walter, this was such an honor for me. I was so happy that you just uh, let me ask you all those questions the other night at the bar, and now this—it's a thrill for me. Gosh, thank you, so thank you for coming. Very, by. very much, and uh, happy holidays and a Merry true Christmas. legend. And you've given us that song, but like so many other songs, but like, if it was just All I Want For Christmas Is You, like, I would be groveling at your feet, but it was also these other songs, like I said, Forever, my all-time favorite thing, That like, that song to me is just everything. Thank you so much, Danny. So thank you. I appreciate you inviting me here. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com.